This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Donna Chavis. Well, thank you so much, Sid, and thank you all for listening today and joining us for Messianic Vision. Our guest today is a visionary, an innovator, and a trailblazer who serves as the senior and founding pastor of Spiritual Prosperity Enrichment Center, the acronym SPEC they use. God birthed the vision to launch SPEC in Derrick at the age of 17. That's right, 17. And God woke him up at 3 a.m. in the morning and spoke this very acronym, the SPEC, and even the name of the church, and he pastors there today. Today. Now, his church is a little different in some ways. It attracts the broken and unchurched. And they also do a food pantry each week where they actually first started seeing miracles there. And they've seen many, many miracles here. Now, this is not where they preach. This is where they minister. They are the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, he operates in many spiritual ministry gifts, prophecy, healing, words of wisdom and knowledge, and others. Please welcome to Messianic Vision, Pastor Derek Snodgrass. Hi, Derek. Hey, Donna, how you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. Listen, we could talk all day on how you came to the Lord and the amazing things that happened, but let me just give a quick little description of that, and then we're going to huh? jump in to your teaching and your message and your ministry today. But I know that, that you were saved at nine, but you actually dedicated your life to Jesus at 16, and you had a hunger, a hunger for God, and you prayed, fill me with your Holy Spirit and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And God, I will never look back. And you were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And afterwards, I yeah. mean, the supernatural came fairly quickly for you. Uh, dreams and visions. You actually even started preaching at the age of 17. Now, I know you've been ministering for a long time now, Derek. Um, tell me just a few of, of the miracles that you have seen. Give us a few examples. Yeah, I mean, I've seen uh, God do some amazing things. We've seen knees healed, backs healed, blinded eyes open. We've seen cancer healed. We've seen hyperthyroidism healed. We've seen growth Spanish. Wow. We've seen God do some amazing things, and, and um, really that would have come later on in, in our ministry, in my ministry. But, you know, initially it just started with a hunger and a deep yearning for more of God, like you said. Um, once I turned 16 and was baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled completely with a dramatic um, experience, and just spoke in other languages, spoke in tongues at 16 years old, and that really ignited um, uh, more of a hunger for God in me, and it got to the degree that I just started to pursue His presence. And in pursuing His presence, then I would begin to have supernatural encounters and dreams and visions, wow. and God just started dealing with me in an amazing way. So you knew it was real? 
<laughs> oh, I knew it was real. I knew it was real. And that's what I was really looking for, because it's one thing to be raised in church your whole life and to see God moving in other people's lives. But as a kid, you don't really know until you experience it for yourself. And that's kind of like what you said that prayer was about. Like, God, if this is real and if mm-hmm. you feel it with your Holy Spirit, you know, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And so he did exactly what I asked him for. And uh, it was more amazing than what I could have ever imagined you know, at 16, like leading up to being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, I fasted for several days. Like I literally disconnected from anything that I knew would keep me away from God's presence. So all sin, even television, even secular music. And I just didn't eat until God filled me with the Spirit. And I just read the Word every day and uh, meditated on His Word. And um, I remember, like yesterday, it was August the 17th, 2002, um, I went to a revival service and just began to go to the altar and cry out to the Lord, calling on the name of Jesus. And um, as I was doing that, I remember I would I started to feel the presence of the Lord, which I had never really felt like that before, moving on the outside of me. And um, as I continue to call on Jesus and just cry out to God to fill me with the Holy Spirit, I would say within about 15 minutes, the presence of God began to kind of push me back. And uh, at one point, I remember I just surrendered everything completely, and I felt the presence of God go into me. And as I felt God's presence go into me, I literally flew back several feet in the air. I hit a wooden bench. And as I simultaneously was doing all of this, my tongue got loose and I started speaking in tongues, language I had never been taught at 16 years old. And uh, I started rolling on the ground like I was on fire. So I wasn't expecting all of that, you know, Pentecostals, which is what I was born and raised. That's why we get the name Holy Rollers. (laughs) But, uh, you know, at that time, you know, I didn't know that I was going to do all of that. But it was real. It was authentic. And after that encounter with the Holy Spirit, that's when God began to really speak to me and develop me with dreams and visions and encounters. And I began to see more of God move and work in my life. Well, I know it was on after that. And for many, many years, you have served the Lord. You have pastored. You've done uh, ministry on the road with with other revival teams. But the, the pantry, what you call the pantry, this was a community outreach. And you, you yes. guys didn't go there to preach, right? You weren't there preaching. What what right. were you doing? We were there just to reach out to the community. Like you said, be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yes. You know, um, it was an outlet for us to be able to connect because sometimes people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And so you got to get to the place to where you meet their natural needs, and then that'll become an avenue. But one day I was in prayer, and uh, this came later on. Now I'm pastor, and so that, that whole encounter I just named was when I was 16, 17 years old. And um, now fast forward to me pastoring. I started pastoring at 28, and uh, a couple years into that, I really, again, started to pursue God again because, you know, I kind of had gotten into a routine. My relationship has started to become dry. And um, I remember I would just pray for hours, and I would fast extended periods of time, And um, I remember in that time of pursuing the Lord again, because God, I'm like, I need more. There's got to be more. And in that time, I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me clearly, and he said that he was going to start moving in our pantry. Mm. And we would start seeing an outbreak of miracles in our pantry first. Yes. And I thought that was so weird because I'm like, no, 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 that's not God. Because you're (laughs) Yeah, I'm not even preaching. (laughs) You know, like, 
yeah, you're not preaching out there. There's no music. You know, there's no singers. Like, we're going to set the atmosphere. You're going to see them in church first. But in prayer, so clear, God told me, he said, you'll start seeing miracles in your pantry first. And I remember I told my wife and I told my father, even my dad, he was like, that doesn't sound right. Mm. And I was like, well, that's what God said. And within a week, we saw our first notable miracle. That's what I like to say, notable miracle. So not a tummy ache, not a toe ache, you know, not a headache, and not discounting those exactly. things because any miracle is significant. But we saw in our pantry, and um, there was a woman, and she actually goes to our church to this day, and her daughter had a skin disease. And, um, you know, you would like the Lord to start you off with the headaches. <laughs> <laughs> You would like to start off with what we deem as achievable. But, um, you know, I just think, you know, any miracle, anything anybody needs is not too difficult for God. You know, and at the end of the day, whether it's cancer or whether it's a migraine, it's all the same to God. Nothing is more difficult right, for God. Right. And, there's, and, and to those people that are listening, I don't know what you might be going through. I don't know what you might be facing, but it is not too difficult for God. Whatever it is that you need, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. And so when we were outside, this uh, Sister Kathy is her name from our church. She came and she was panicked and she jumped out of the car and she had her daughter, um, Tierra, and they came out of the car and they said, Pastor Derek, Pastor Derek, and you know, in the flesh, in the natural, I knew there was a problem. And I'm like, what's going on? And as soon as her daughter jumped out, she looked really bad because she had a really bad skin disease and she has really fair skin, really light skin. And, uh, her skin was so disfigured to where it literally was just completely red, mm. but it was these, it was like a rash of breakouts all over her face, all over her neck. And I remember she showed me, she said, look at her arms. I said, what's going on with her? Cause I never seen her like this. She said, we have no idea. She's been like this for three days. We tried everything. We tried Benadryl. We tried medications. We've tried creams. We tried steroids. Nothing is working. And they said, you know, it's been three days. We're going to rush her to the hospital, but we thought we would take her to the church yes. first. They said, we need you to pray for her. And I'm just like in the flesh getting nervous because this is a difficult one to me. Yes. It's not difficult for God, but in the flesh it was difficult for me. So I'm thinking, Donna, like y'all should have took her to the hospital, <laughs> you know, and they was like, well, we, we brought her to you. Yes. So, so I'm like, okay. So I said, hey, let's just pray for her. And we got in a circle. And it was about four of us in that circle. We held hands, and we just began to pray. And we began to rebuke that skin disease in the name of Jesus, and we commanded it to leave. And I just remember calling fresh skin. In Jesus' name, we command our skin to clear completely up by the blood of Jesus. And I remember as we were just—it was commanded prayer, you know, and we were just speaking with authority. And instantly, as we were praying— I remember Miss Bridget at the church, she was in the circle, she screamed out, and she said, Pastor Derek, Pastor Derek, her skin is clearing up. And we literally watched that skin disease clear completely up. It left instantly, it just vanished, new fresh skin. And it was one of the most amazing faith triggers for me that exploded my faith, and it took it to another level to see it so extreme 
to get like brand new fresh skin. And we took a picture with her afterwards and we were just all amazed at what God had done. And that was really the first notable miracle that we saw. That is amazing. And for it not to even be in church. I mean, that is not. Yeah, that that is amazing. So I know God is continually moving in all kinds of ways. Well, Derek, you have prepared a resource for those that are listening today. And it's a five CD audio teaching series called Encountering the God of Glory. That title just kind of gets me now. You know, we, we've had a lot of things about the glory of God, but when I saw this title, and it's, it's you know, it would be wonderful for encountering the glory of God, but this says, encountering the God of glory. Whew, that's, that's really yeah. strong to me. That is really powerful. Yeah. And, and the reason we're calling it that, and you are calling it that, is seriously, Derek, you have so many individual encounters, personal encounters, supernatural encounters with God. So we just wanted to prepare that. And I know you I have prepared that for all that are listening. Well, let's let's move on. I want to take you back a few years. As I said, you experience a lot of supernatural encounters. You've seen miracles. We've heard about some of them. You've been pastoring for years. And, you know, you would almost say, so how does one get to this place? But it does happen. I know you got to the place, Derek, where you felt dry and stale and that your relationship was not where it should be with God. And you weren't experiencing church what you wanted to. You weren't seeing the miracles and the salvations. So what happened? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, what happened for me and what happens for most people, the Bible says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst Mm -hmm. after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so God promises to fill those that are hungry. So if you're hungry, you can eat. You know, if you're thirsty, you can drink. You know, and ultimately, if we're crying out and if we're going after God, he's not going to leave us disappointed, you know, but it has to be something that drives us to that point. You know, because when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you'll change. So oftentimes it gets us getting to our lowest point or that breaking point of just saying, God, I'm sick of being in this mess. And, you know, a lot of times that can be in natural ways or, you know, sometimes people can find themselves in a bad relationship. And when it gets bad enough, they'll get out. You know, they'll play with it for a while. But when they get to that breaking point where they've had enough, they'll do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. And I say the same thing spiritually. When we get to a place where we're truly desperate for God, when we get to a place where we're truly to a place where we're spiritually dry and we're crying out, our soul is yearning, we're crying out for more of God, you know, desperation, that is one of the keys to to igniting the supernatural in our life. And, you know, for me, it was to the point where I didn't want to go through a routine. I didn't want to go through a ritual. I didn't want to just be preaching every Sunday aimlessly, devoid, you know, of the Spirit of God. Like, I'm like, God, if it has to be like this, I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing this anymore. You know, I'm tired. Like, it's not just enough for the people to be getting blessed. I'm not getting blessed. You know, I'm pouring out of an empty cup. And so I asked God to fill my cup, and it took me getting to that dry place. It took me getting to that desolate place that caused me to really be ignited in my faith. And you got to turn your pain into motivation, Donna, because a lot of times people— they, they go through depleting circumstances. They may lose a loved one. They may get to a place where they feel broken. 
And instead of allowing that to drive them closer to the presence of God, they allow the enemy to speak to them and they kind of wallow in their mess, you know, or they stay in a low place or they take on victimization. But we break every spirit of victimization in the name of Jesus. You know, those that are listening right now on this line, you may be going through some circumstances that have really tried to take you out. And I'm telling you that you can use that. The Bible says that the more that the Israelites were afflicted, the more that they grew and multiplied. And you can use that to begin to ignite your hunger for God and just cry out in desperation. So that's what I did. And as I cried out, he answered me. And, you know, I I would say the same thing to anybody listening right now. And it's not because I'm special. It's not because, (laughs) you know, I'm super significant. Every single person listening right now, God wants to encounter you. God wants to engage with you. God wants to dwell with you. God wants to be with you. That was God's original intention in the garden. And God's original intention is always his ultimate conclusion. You know, and even after the fall of humanity, you know, God made a way for us to reconnect to him, to be reconciled with him through his son, Jesus Christ. So we have the avenue, we have the petitions, we have the blood of Jesus that speaks on our behalf. And, you know, if you're hungry, God will fill you today. You know, you just got to get to a place of desperation. Well, Derek, you, you were hungry. You, you were at that place and you were saying, Lord, reignite the hunger in my soul. So you were sitting there reading you're in your chair, you're reading the yeah. word and the Holy Spirit began to speak to you. And you, you said when we were talking, it's like the word became alive and real. And you were sitting there in your chair and you experienced something that you had not experienced in many years. Yeah, you know, Donna, I was um, in my chair, I was sitting there and, um, you know, again, I had been crying out to God for a while because I wasn't going to stop until I received what I was looking for, you know, and, you know, the deal is this, even once God touches you and you receive, it should just ignite another level of hunger in you. So I'm even hungrier today than what I was then, you know, because you don't stop pursuing. It, It leaves you wanting more, you know, and so I continue to consistently go after God until I encountered him and not knowing in this moment that I was in an encounter or that God was so near to me, you know, and God is often more near to us than what we even believe. You know, uh, I think it was Jacob. He says, this is Bethel. He said that he was in the house of God and he didn't know it. You know, angels were ascending and descending, you know, so God is more near to you right now than what you're even aware of in this very moment. Even as you're listening to my voice, those that are listening in this very moment, I'm telling you the spirit of the living God, he is near to you and he wants to encounter you right where you are right now. And I remember this night, um, Donna, I was sitting there and I just began to go through the scriptures and the scriptures became alive to me to where every single scripture without effort, it wasn't like I was trying to look for, Lord, let me find scriptures that really speak to a personal relationship. Every single scripture I turned to all very much so spoke to the same thing, which was that God wanted to encounter us, which is that God was a personal God. He was a near God. He wasn't a distance God. He wasn't far away where he didn't know where we was. He was able to locate us. And I just went through the scriptures and everything was so real. It was like going from black and white to full color HD. And I literally, as I'm reading these stories, I'm reading about the three Hebrew boys. I'm reading about Moses. 
Moses. I'm reading about Elijah. I'm reading in Exodus chapter 20, God says, and let them make me a sanctuary, a sacred holy place that I can dwell in. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me saying, you are that sanctuary. God wants to dwell with you and in you. He wants to move through you. And everything was just so clear. Tears just began to well up in my eyes and God located me. God located me. I knew in that moment I was in a God encounter. And I just began to cry profusely. Tears began to come out of my eyes. And I remember I started to just shake and tremble under the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I remember I was convulsing. Like, if you would have walked in that room and if you would have seen me, you would have thought I was having a literal seizure. The power of God was so strong on me, I just began to shake and tremble and wail, like make noises. I began to howl and just make noises like I was afflicted in my soul. I was broken. And I remember as I'm just crying, I just closed my eyes and immediately started repenting. And I had no paradigm for this, Donna. I didn't know that Isaiah did the same thing. I didn't know that when Isaiah saw God on the throne and he saw God seated on the throne, he was surrounded by angels. And when he saw God and all of his righteousness and all of his glory, he just cried out and said, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst an unclean people. And God, in all of his mercy, he sent an angel with a hot coal and he purified him and cleansed him, you know. And so as I'm sitting there, I didn't know that story, you know, to that degree in that moment. But I just started saying, God, I'm so sorry. God, please forgive me. I was crying and I was so remorseful. And it, the reason why is because I saw myself as I truly was, because I was in the presence of a holy God. God never condemned me. God never said, you're not worthy. You shouldn't be here. But the light of God exposed my darkness. In that moment, so much revelation came. Like I knew that everything that I had, no matter how good I live, no matter if I never sinned again in my entire life, I knew in that moment I was a debtor to God. And I knew that any salvation I had, I never could have earned it. I never could have deserved it. I knew in that moment, anything that I had, he gave it to me, that I really understood justification by faith in that moment, because I saw the purity of a holy God. He was so near. And so I closed my eyes and um, just closed my eyes in repentance. And I remember for the first time, I saw a vision of Jesus on the cross. His head was hanging and he had a crown of thorns on his head. And it was so clear that it almost scared me because it was unexpected. Like it was just before me in a closed vision. So I opened my eyes, you know, and looked around because like now God is right here. And so then after that, I'm like, wow, I just saw the Lord. So I closed my eyes again and it was gone. And I remember I was just crying and I was weeping. And at that moment, actually, a spirit of brokenness came and rested on me and stayed there for about maybe two months. Wow. <laughs> wow. Derek, there's something that you just mentioned, a spirit of brokenness. And, and I know that you, you have said this and you say this when you teach, that brokenness makes us irresistible to God. So I, oh, I think that is so powerful. Well, I know this only ignited you more. You had been searching, you had been asking, you had been saying, Lord, reignite me. And here this had done that. So a month later, after this powerful, powerful encounter, you had another one. Yeah. So after this encounter, um, yeah, like the spirit of brokenness, it came on me. And like you said, Brokenness makes us irresistible to God. It tenderizes our heart. It makes our heart soft towards the Lord. It turns our heart towards him, and we kind of take on the heart of God. 
You know, the Bible says a broken heart and a contrite spirit, God won't despise. He won't turn it away. He'll always receive it. He'll always accept it. God is near the brokenhearted. And so, you know, when that spirit of brokenness came on me, you know, I talk and I teach about the gift of brokenness because when we look at spiritual gifts, we just think of prophecy, laying hands, healing the sick. But, you know, there's no greater gift than really to be intimate with the Lord and in his presence. Actually, everything else flows out of that place. So brokenness is a gift. And so during that probably six to eight weeks, you know, of just um, being broken before the Lord, like every single day in prayer and worship, you know, riding in my car, I couldn't even listen to any <laughs> music without just beginning to weep before the Lord. Like I would be, I would go to bed at night and I wouldn't even be trying, Donna, you know, to, to go there. I'd just be like, I want to do a quick one. Like, you know, now I lay me down to yes, sleep type yes. of prayer. <laughs> You know, and I would just end up crying my eyes out and just weeping and just thinking about what God did for me, you know. And so in this time, you know, several days after that initial encounter, I started again. God, Holy Spirit started to lead me to listen to certain people and people I never even heard of. It was supernatural how he just guided me to certain people. And one of those was um, Sid Roth is Supernatural. I never heard of it until <laughs> that happened. And nobody introduced me to that. Nobody introduced to, hey, you need to look at this. It just happened. God directed me to it. And as I started listening to um, to um, episodes of the show and watching episodes of the show and people encountering Jesus face-to-face, that ignited something in me to know that that was attainable, to know, yo, this is available right, to you right. that you can have this next level of encountering. I think you said something powerful. You know, I think every encounter is not for everybody, but some of them are. Yes. Some of them are to build faith in others. It's not to bring any glory to ourselves to say, oh, look what God did through me, or look, I'm something special that God deals with me this way. No, it's to let people know God wants to encounter you in that way also. And so what ends up happening is to hear, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. To hear the Word of God shared through those mediums, through your broadcast, it built faith in me to go after it in that way. So I just asked the Lord, you know, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God for it. You know, if we, being evil, can give good gifts to our children, how much more can our Heavenly Father give good gifts to us? How much more will He not pour out His Spirit freely on us? And so I just asked God, I said, Lord, you know, I don't have a paradigm for any of this, but all I know is that I want you, and I'm hungry for you. And this is during that season of brokenness. I said, if you can encounter people in this way, Lord, encounter me in this way. And I remember I just prayed sincerely, and I began to weep, Donna. I began to cry. I began to mourn, God, please visit me. Please visit me. You know, and every single day I had such expectation. I was expecting to receive. I was expecting to encounter Jesus on a daily basis because I would pray sometimes for several hours, three, four, five, sometimes eight hours through the night. And I remember there was such expectation, and I would be fasting too, extended fast. I would be fasting, eating nothing. And I remember every single day I was expecting Jesus to walk through the wall, almost to where I started to almost have you know, a slight fear, you know, fear of the Lord would come on me and I would just be praying like with one eye open, like Jesus is about to appear to me, you know, and this went on for several weeks until one day I, I let my guard down. It was the day that I least expected it, you know, and I, I worked a 12 hour shift and I just wanted to get home. I'm telling you this one day, every single day, but this one day I wasn't expecting anything. And I remember I just said, I want to get home so I can go to sleep. 
and I get up and preach for our service in the morning. God, if you let me get three hours, I'll be okay. You know? Wow. <laughs> so I went and I got in the bed and I remember I jumped in the bed and, you know, no sooner than 15 minutes, I just started going into dreams. They were all spiritual dreams. And I just started having dream after dream after dream. And I remember probably within 40 minutes, it was about 7.45, I had the sensation to go to the bathroom. And so I get up from my bed, I put my feet on the floor, and I begin to walk to the door. And as I'm going to open the door, I put my hand towards the doorknob, and it was like a, a bomb went off. That's the only way I can describe it. It was like a literal explosion, but it was spiritual. There was no fire. I didn't see anything, but it was like the shock wave, the energy of that explosion, if you know what I mean. It hit me. And when that hit me, I literally flew back and I hit the ground. Now, as this is happening, I knew and recognized that this was the presence of God. You know, it feels like when people lay hands on you or you fall out at the altar, I recognize this presence of God. And when I hit the floor, it felt like it felt like I landed on a pile of feathers. And I remember when I landed, it was the sweetest place I had been. I was on my back and I started to just kind of open my eyes. And as I opened my eyes, the first thing that I remember was that I heard um, singing. I heard string instruments playing. You know, it was the most beautiful sound I had ever heard in my life. I heard angels singing. And, you know, it wasn't just one or two angels. It was like a choir. It was like an army of angels. And you you didn't have your music on, right? I had no music on, Donna. I had no, there was no radio in my room. The computer was off. (laughs) The phone was off. This was supernatural. And when I say this, I mean the atmosphere of heaven had broken into my room. Like I literally felt the presence of God. It was like I was in a heavenly realm. I hear this music. And here's the thing, Donna. I felt the peace of God. Mm. I felt a supernatural peace. Now, you know, I can only describe it like this. You know, the Bible says God will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding, you know, and that's supernatural, right? You know, in times of trouble, we've all, like I said, I spoke of earlier, we we went through trials, me and my wife, you know, and I remember in some of those situations, God gave us peace. And we say, you know, God gave us peace. God gave us peace. This was totally different. This peace it was like the air molecules were filled with the peace mm. of God. And, you know, the only way I can describe it is if you could bottle this peace up, you could go through what Job went through <laughs> and you would be okay. You could go through it and you would be okay. And so I literally, I'm just, I'm basking in this glory. I hear these angels singing. I feel the peace of God. Peace was like a person. Peace was tangible. Peace was real. You know, it was something that I had never experienced to that degree. And I set up, and Donna, when I set up, I saw Jesus standing at my door. And he was standing at my door, but his back was to me. He had a long white robe on, and, you know, he had long hair. And I remember immediately, like, looking at him, I'm sitting up, and immediately I knew this was Jesus. I knew his presence. I knew his person. And I cried out, and the first thing I said was, Jesus. And when I said Jesus, Donna, my mouth didn't move. Yeah. It came from my head and my heart. It was spirit to spirit. I was like telepathic. Like my mouth hadn't moved and I hadn't had that that experience. And when he turned around, he looked at me. 
And the first thing that I said to him was, thank you. You know, and it was powerful because when Jesus looks at you, you know, you can tell and you know that he knows everything about you. He knows your sins. He knows your flaws. But when he looked at me, I didn't see anything but love. I didn't see anything but love. Like nothing about me detoured him or, or swayed him or changed his perspective. It was just love through and through. And all I could do was say, thank you. I mean, this is the greatest moment of my life. What do you say to Jesus? Sure, of course. <laughs> you know, this wasn't scripted. I didn't know this was about to happen, you know, but I said, thank you. And I remember after I said, thank you, I caught myself and I said, no, thank you for everything. When I said thank you for everything, I thought about him dying for me. I thought about my family, my life, my health, him loving me, you know, him giving me chances, you know, uh, just salvation. I thought about everything. And when I said thank you for everything, he looked at me and he said, I love you. You know, and when he said that, that broke me, man. That, That shot straight through me to the degree that, you know, I tell people, like, when you're encountering God, I felt like everything in my body responded to Jesus and his words. Everything in my body. I felt like my my eyebrow hair stood up. I felt like the hair on my neck stood up. Like, I felt your body knows this is the creator. You know, this this is God in flesh. And after that, you know, I'm just basking in this moment. And, you know, I t- I grabbed his hand, and it, it was just shocking because he's a person. You right, know, it, right. It, it was like flesh. You know, it wasn't just like a ghost. It wasn't a spirit. This is Jesus in flesh, incarnate. And, you know, after I let go, he turns around like he's going to leave. And after that, I'm just like, no, like I almost felt a little anxious. Like I didn't want him to leave yet. I wanted the encounter to continue. So I said, Jesus, don't leave. And I set up. And with my left hand, I grabbed his left arm and I set up. I said, don't leave. And he turned around. And it's so amazing because this was another revelation I got. You know, if me or you are ready to leave and somebody grabs us and tries to make us stay, you know, we might give them a little pull there, like, oh, let me go. (laughs) Yes, yes. But not with Jesus. Jesus totally understood my heart and he understood my excitement and he understood, you know, that I felt like, you know, this is the greatest moment of my life. And it was almost like a smile, but he turned around and he said, um, I said, Jesus, don't leave. And he says, I love you a second time. This second time, it was more affirming. It was stronger. It was deeper, you know, and I tell people all the time, a few of the revelations I got from that was number one, Jesus loves all of us so Mm -hmm. much. It's not just me. It's not just you. He loves all of us so much. And it is not to be compared. Yes, we know we read in the Bible and we believe the word of God, you know, when it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But this brought so much more insight to that, that he loves us with an everlasting love. It's an unconditional love, you know, and he loves us so much. You know, I think I have two children, a uh, son and a daughter, and the love that you have for your kids is hard to beat. And um, I tell you, I, I would lay down my life in a heartbeat for yes. my kids, mm-hmm. but God loves us so much more than that. He loves us so much that it makes what I have for my children look like hate. That's how far it is, you know? And so, you know, the Bible says, except you hate your father and your mother, you know, and I kind of, people struggle with that because they're like, you know, hate your father and your mother. And obviously it's not talking about literal hate because that will contradict the whole of his message, but you have to love God so much more than anything else on earth. 
And so the revelation of the, of the Father's love for me is what I got out of that. But the second thing was Jesus' humility and his meekness, mm-hmm. you know, just how he turned around and didn't pull back. And the scripture came to me, you know, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly at heart. You know, Jesus is meek and lowly at heart. That's what he emanates. That's who he is. He walks in meekness. He walks in humility. And so after I grabbed him, he told me, he said, I'll be back. After he said, I love you, he said, I'll be back. And he proceeded to leave. And Donna, immediately, I just appeared back in my bed. I never walked back to it. I just appeared back in my bed. Uh. Derek, my goodness, let's let's take just a moment right here and let everybody that's listening know about this uh, resource package that you have prepared for them. It is a five CD audio teaching series, and we are calling it. You have entitled it, Derek, "Encountering the God of Glory." Encountering the God of Glory. Just let that sink in for a second. Now, this is five teachings, and the teachings are desperate for your glory positioning yourself for encounters. So if you've been listening to these encounters and saying, hey, what about me? What about me? Derek is going to teach you how to position yourself for encounters. Miracles behind closed doors. The supernatural power of tears. And I refuse to be denied. Wow, I can't wait for everybody to listen to those, to get those, and to strengthen their faith and just to encourage them and to help them to position themselves for encounters for themselves. So I want to skip a little bit ahead here, Derek. So Derek, one of the the messages that you are teaching that you're giving people in this audio teaching series is the supernatural power of tears. You had one of the most fascinating and amazing encounters that I have ever heard of. We have heard of people going to all kinds of rooms in heaven, the body parts room, the book room, the library, all kinds of rooms. But you actually had an encounter in the tear room of heaven. Yeah. So one day I was just studying in Psalms and it was Psalms 56 um, verse eight. And it says, literally, you keep track of all of my sorrows You have collected all of my tears in your bottle, and you have recorded each one in your book. And I just began to meditate on the Word and meditate on scriptures. According to Joshua 1 and 8, it says, If we meditate on God's Word day and night, we'll make our way prosperous and we'll have good success. And so, you know, I began to just ponder and meditate on that, that verse. And as I was meditating, I was just in my bed, and I just began to worship the Lord, and I just began to repeat that scripture. You know, you keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. And so as I began to just imagine myself worshiping God, and as I began to repeat that, I remember Jesus came up to me, and I was on my knees worshiping, and he had me stand up in this vision, this encounter, and he said that he wanted to show me something. And so I began to follow him. And as I followed him, we went into a room in heaven and I knew it was the tear room. And as we're walking through this room, it was a room that was lavish with beauty and glory and splendor. It was a really upscale room. There were chandeliers. There were were just these amazing um, uh, pieces and figures and crystal and, and diamonds. And I remember that on my left and my right, there were countless bottles These were like tear bottles. They were almost like Hershey Mm Kiss-shaped. 
and um, they were different sizes. And um, you could tell this was a precious room. You could tell this was a precious room. And, you know, as I'm going to these bottles, like we're walking down this corridor and Jesus is kind of leading the way. And as I'm seeing the bottles, I'm going up to all of these different bottles and I'm looking at them and you can see the names of who these bottles belong to and they're engraved on them. And like I said, they're all different sizes. And, you know, I, I surmise that they were people's the length of time that they were on earth. But everyone who has ever existed has a tear bottle in heaven, you know, and I knew this by revelation, but I wanted it experientially. You know, when I began to meditate on God's word and meditate on this scripture, that's what set me up for this encounter. You know, and so as I'm in this room, I'm looking at the bottles and I see different bottles. I see people's bottles that I recognize. I see Moses' tear bottle. I see Elijah's tear bottle. I see people in the face tear bottle that we admire and that we love. And then I started seeing people um, who I got the Lord to have me study. Like I saw Catherine Kuhlman's tear bottle, you know, which was a general that I really admire. And as I got closer to these tear bottles, like a kid in a candy store, as I got closer to the tear bottles, I could tell that the tears still had cellular memory. Mm. And when I say they had cellular memory, it was like the tears were still alive. So as I got closer, I could hear the cries of these tears that caused them to be generated from what happened on earth. So it was fascinating because I can hear the people, what they're saying. I can hear them crying. I can hear them weeping. You know, and as I got even closer and really began to focus, you could actually see the earth timeline playing out in each of these bottles. And so, you know, with Catherine, I saw, you know, her behind the stage at the Crusades. I saw her brokenness. I saw her complete dependency on the Holy Spirit. I saw her weeping and carrying a burden for souls and for people to be healed and for people to be saved. And I remember I was just looking and Jesus was so patient with me because I was going from bottle to bottle, just looking at all of them. And I remember I went back to him and he said he wanted to show me more. And so we continued to walk. And as I was walking, we went to a section of this room and there were angels. There were like a lot of angels, many, many angels sitting down. And I knew that they were scribe angels and they all had these books and they were writing like their assignment. They were so detailed. They were so focused and they were just writing really quick. And it was so organized. They were writing numbers. And what they were doing was that they were actually recording events that caused the children of God and the people of God to weep. They, they, they were recording the sorrows of humanity. And the angels, they were so detailed. They were writing these events, and they were literally enacting the scriptures. They were recording our sorrows in a book. And as they were doing that, we went, and I was just fascinated because, again, it was so many of them, and it was just like you knew this was what they were there for. This was their job. This was their sole purpose. These were scribe angels. And we went a little further, and the Lord wanted me to, to show me one of the ways that tears were collected. And we went to this the center of this room. There was like a well um, type of contraction. And when I looked down, I could see like the entire universe, and I could see Earth, and it was like 4K. It was like really <laughs> clear. And yeah, one of the angels came and he went down into this well at like lightning speed and he went to earth. And then like the scene changed from the universe and from earth to where I saw this angel go into the house of this mother. She was a single parent mom. She had several children and one of her kids was sick. And um, 
one of her kids was sick and she was dealing with unemployment. She was dealing with like a lot of grief. She didn't know what she was going to do. She felt like giving up. And I remember she was praying and she was crying and she was weeping. And I remember that the angel went to her and the angel was there the whole time, but she didn't know it. I don't think she ever recognized that the angel was actually in her room. And I remember that when she was crying, the angel began, he took out like a bottle and started actually collecting her tears. But as she was praying, the angel like strengthened her. The angel strengthened her, and in that moment, she just thought it was the presence of God. And I remember she took like a deep sigh of relief, and she stopped crying. You know, and the angel came back through the tunnel, through the the well-like contraption, and he added those tears to her bottle. And, Don, I think that there are several ways tears are collected. You know, number one, they actually physically collect them. But another thing that I saw was that the tears actually self-generate. Yes. So, like, as we cry as well, the tears are just automatically added to the bottle to where they increase. So I saw that later, and I saw the process of how they're collected. But what happened was we ended up going further, and I saw Jesus' tear bottle. Oh, my. And his tear bottle was a lot bigger. I saw Jesus' tear bottle, and it was the tears of humanity, you know. And I saw how he wept over us on earth. And continuously, because Jesus, even now, he intercedes for us, you know. And so I saw how he wept for the sins of humanity. I saw his weeping in the garden. I saw all of these things in the bottle, you know. And when I saw his bottle, again, it affected me deeply. You know, it affected me to the degree where I became emotional because I saw, again, um, the sacrifice, and I felt the sacrifice in a way that I hadn't felt or known before. You know, and so when I saw his tear bottle, the tear bottle was big, and I began to weep. I went to Jesus, and I just embraced Jesus, and Jesus wept. Jesus wept, and I wept, you know, and in that moment, I saw his bottle continuously generating wow. tears. Wow. So, you know, that, that was that encounter. That was that room, and and the revelation I got was, you know, every single tear that we cry, sometimes we feel like, you know, God doesn't hear us or God doesn't see what we're going through. You know, God doesn't love us. He doesn't know. The enemy will try and make you believe that, you know, God doesn't care. But every single tear that we cry, the Lord is aware of it. He values it. He bottles them up because God has a wild, passionate, obsessive love for his children. You know, everything that we go through, it's not wasted. And God is aware of it. He loves us with an everlasting love. You know, the Bible says every hair on our head is numbered. It says if you can count the grains of sand, you can count his thoughts towards us. His thoughts towards his children are innumerable, and he has bottled every tear that we've ever cried. So God loves us with a love that goes beyond what we can even imagine. Yes, yes. Derek, here is something that's so unbelievable to me. Now, I can understand, you know, these great men of faith throughout the Bible, them having a, a bottle of tears in this room, this tear room in heaven. I can understand believers, people that love God with all their heart. But you saw some tear bottles that were actually shocking to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, so that was another thing in the room. You know, you're right. We we saw, I saw these great believers and these matriarchs and these patriarchs of the faith. But, you know, in the same section, I also saw tear bottles of people who we deem as deplorable, mm. we deem as unworthy. 
you know, and one of them was Ramesses, you know, from Old Testament, you know, Moses and Ramesses, you know, I saw his tear bottle, you know, and that shocked me, number one, because I don't study Ramesses, you know, he's not one that I preach about, you know, we preach about him with the plagues, but we just know him as a wicked man who basically opposed God and tried to stop Moses, you know, but I saw his tear bottle there, and I also saw and when I saw these, I'm like, yo, how is this possible? Like, is something wrong <laughs> right. here? And immediately I looked at Jesus, and Donna, as soon as I could think it, he answered it. As soon as I could think, man, what are these tear bottles doing right. here? Jesus immediately answered me, and he said, the Father loves them all the same. Oof. You know, simple answer, but profound. Simple answer, but something far beyond what I would have ever thought. He immediately answered as soon as I could think it. It was like in in heaven, because again, my mouth didn't move. And it was just in my head and it was in my heart. But he immediately answered as I had spoken it out. And he said, the father loves them all the same. And I was offended, but it gave me a revelation again, because, you know, these people who are wicked, who we've counted out, you know, the Father has an unconditional, everlasting love for humanity, and God has prepared a place for all of us in heaven. Now, some people ask me, they say, well, do you think that they're in heaven since you saw their bottles? I don't think that they're in heaven. You know, only God knows, because if you repent, you know, and get it right, you know, even in the 11th hour, you can be saved. But just because their bottle is in heaven doesn't mean that they are. What it means is, God has prepared for all of us as if we're going there. You know, he didn't create hell for humanity. He created hell for the devil and his and, and fallen angels. So ultimately, God has prepared things in heaven for all of us that we may not get, because everybody's not going to heaven. We have to accept Jesus and we have to repent. But his love for us is unconditional, you know, and I, I hope that speaks to you know, the people who are listening who may feel like you've sinned too much or you've gone too far, or God can't love you or God can't rescue you. Listen, God's love for you is, is as potent and as passionate and as real today post-sins as what they were before you committed them. And whatever you've done is not beyond the reach of God. He still loves you with an everlasting love. So just repent and turn your heart towards him. Yes, yes. I want to sum it up at that little section about the tear room in heaven with something that you said yourself, Derek. And and the, the sentence is, even though not everyone will make it to heaven, each person still has things in heaven that belong to them because God makes preparations in heaven for all of us. Whew. Yeah. Wow. I had to stop and think about that one for a moment. I was just like, whoa, what an encounter with God. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I want to take another little second real quick and let everybody know again that you have prepared, Derek, this wonderful, powerful, uh, I would even say life-changing. It's a five-CD audio teaching series called Encountering the God of Glory. And those messages include five messages here, desperate for the glory, positioning yourself for encounters, miracles behind closed doors, the supernatural power of tears, and this this I love. Let's just get strong about it here and say, I refuse to be denied. 
Wow. So <laughs> I'm just going to say I'm going to make that declaration. I've heard this message, and I'm going to say yeah. I refuse. I refuse to be denied. So I can't wait for you all. I yep. I can't wait for everybody to hear that. And Sid will be here at the end of the program, as always, to let you know exactly how you can get this, this teaching series called Encountering the God of Glory by Pastor Derek Snodgrass. Derek, I want to talk about one more thing before we leave and then leave an, a couple of minutes to pray at the end, but you have a message. The title message in this series that you are teaching for everyone is called Desperate for the Glory. What does that mean to you? Desperate for the glory of God is that we have to have a relentless hunger. We have to have something in us that we're saying, listen, we are not going to take no for an answer. You know, and um, that story talks about Moses and, you know, how he never lost his passion uh, for the presence of God. You know, Moses saw things and he experienced God in a way that many people just dream of. You know, he encountered God. You know, he encountered God in the burning bush. He had a life devoted to prayer and intimacy and supernaturally was able to fast for 40 days. And, you know, even at experiencing the glory of God, he continuously asks for more. You know, God, show me your glory. Yes. God, show me your yes. glory. God, I want your presence. And, you know, even in that message, as, you know, I'm teaching it even in the CD series, you know, it got to a point where God told Moses, I'm going to send my angel to go before you, you know, and it's going to, I'm going to have my angel lead you and Israel, you know, and, and Moses had a problem with that, Donna. It was to the degree, and I had never really seen seen it like that before. Like I, I read through it multiple times, but this last time it was just highlighted that God said, listen, I don't want an angel to go before me. You said that you would lead us. You said that you were pleased with your people. You said that you knew me by name. He started reminding God of his word, saying, God, you made me all of these promises. So if you are pleased with us, if you know me by name, God, I want you to lead us. Matter of fact, he got indignant and said, I'm not even going to go further until you leave. Yes. And God ends up coming back and saying, yo, Moses, I will lead you. I'll lead you. He comes, you know. So it is like Moses put a demand on it based on the word of God. And in Isaiah, it says we can bring God into remembrance of his word, you know. And so that's what we have to so often do, you know. And I think that, Donna, it really speaks to you know, the state of the church and how a lot of times we've settled for less than what God is even willing to give us. You know, I, I don't, I, any way that God speaks to us is valuable to us. Any way that God interacts and encounters Absolutely. us is valuable yes. to us. But, you know, if we, if God sent an angel to us, we would think we, that was pretty good. Yes, yes. You know, we would think like, yo, man, an angel came and led me you know, and God sent an angel from his throne, and we would be like, oh, you know, some people would be like, wow, an angel, an angel, an angel. But Moses had such an intimacy with God. He said, I don't want the angel. I want you, you know, and that just shows us today. You know, Moses had this great relationship with God, but we actually have more because of the blood of Jesus. In Hebrews, it says we have a covenant based upon better promises. So positionally, we're always in right standing with God because when he sees us, he sees the blood. So ultimately, we can put those same demands there that we want more for God, that we're not going to settle for anything less than Christ died to give us. And that level of desperation, even like David, he said, like a deer that pants by the mm. water, our 
soul yes. has to yearn for God. There has to be a yearning and a deep desire of desperation that we're going to go after God and his presence. We're going to seek his face with everything within us. Amen to that. And, you know, Derek, one of the things that I love so much about you and your ministry is that I feel like you're so real. You're just like down on our level, too, oh, those of us God. that aren't ministers. And you just proved that when you said, yo, Moses. <laughs> I I love that. You're just being real. You're just being yourself. Well, we are going to have to wrap this up and let everybody go in just a minute here. But I know, Derek, one of the other... one of the other messages that you're teaching is so that people will know how to position themselves and ready themselves for these encounters. So I would love it if you would pray before we have to go and say goodbye to everyone. If you'll just pray and and release these encounters to them so that others can experience it for themselves. Yeah, if you're listening right now, and I just want to encourage you, listen, that this is not just for the elite. This is not just for super special, wonderful Christians. Listen, we're all um, we are all jointly fit together. We're all a part of the body. We're all sons of God, and God wants to encounter you. God wants you to encounter His glory. And so, as I pray, I just want you to lift your hands right now, um, because one of the principles of encountering God and setting yourself in a position to receive is expectation. You know, expectation really is the positioning grounds that allows us to receive. It puts us in the receptive mode. So I just want you to lift your hands right now, because when you expect to receive it, it's actually releasing faith. And in order for God to speak to us, we have to have faith. We have to come to God and believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So just like when I encountered Jesus every single day, I was expecting him to come. And if you do the same thing, that's one of the principles. And so as I pray right now, I just want to impart this to you. So in the name of Jesus, God, we just thank you right now for every listener right now to this podcast. And I pray, God, that those are listening. They're listening because they're hungry for more of you. Father, I thank you that you're a good father. You won't leave your children disappointed. So, Father, I just come against every hindrance, God, every encumbrance, God, every spiritual blockage, God, whether it's a religious spirit, whether it's doubt, whether it's unbelief. God, we just break off disappointment in the name of Jesus. Those that have become mundane and numb and desensitized, God, who are just like in autopilot, God, because they say, well, I've been seeking you a long time, and I haven't had those encounters, and I seem to be in a dry season right now. Father, I just pray right now, even by sharing my testimony of how I was in a dry season, but you encountered me. God, your word says that we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. The Greek word for testimony means evidence. So it is the evidence of God in our life that allows people to become overcomers. So, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus, God, that you're imparting, God, faith, God, you're imparting expectation, you're imparting spiritual hunger, God, and that we just won't be hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of the word. I thank you, God, that those that are listening are going to be ignited in their faith right now, in their hearts. Holy Spirit, encounter them right now, that when 
they leave this podcast, God, that they'll steal away and that they'll find quiet time in your presence. They'll find time in the secret place to begin to cultivate in prayer and in worship, God, that they'll begin to engage you, God. You said, seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon you while you're near. Father, I thank you right now that you are near them. You are near the brokenhearted, those that have pain and opposition. I thank you right now, God, that they're going to use that pain to fuel them and to drive them closer to your presence and who you are. Father, we thank you and we give your name praise. We give your name glory and we give you honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Derek, thank you so much for being with us today. I know you've all enjoyed listening to Pastor Derek Snodgrass. And now here's Sid Roth to tell you exactly how you can get this powerful package that Pastor Derek has prepared. And it's called Encountering the God of Glory. Sid? Pastor Derek Snodgrass brings fresh bread, fresh manna, a fresh word from heaven, and a fresh revelation from God. He's prepared a brand new and exclusive five CD audio teaching series called Encountering the God of Glory. This teaching series is birthed out of his many personal encounters with the God of Glory and the revelation that he's received. Derek's goal is to teach you how to position yourself to receive your own encounters. This package includes five life-changing teachings with prayers and activations. One, desperate for the glory. Two, positioning yourself for encounters. Three, miracles behind closed doors. Four, the supernatural power of tears. Five, refuse to be denied. Call now for Pastor Derek Snodgrass's brand new and exclusive five CD audio teaching series, Encountering the God of Glory, for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 3785. Once again, that's offer number 3785.